Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, sponsored by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the best entertainment venue to see a movie in the state of Utah. And really, anywhere else I've been, I admittedly have only seen a couple of movies outside the state of Utah, but in the state of Utah, by far the best. And we love our friends there and thank them for sponsoring us. Uh, great deals going on at the Megaplex, including the summer movie series for kids. Uh, it's something that you can drop the kids off for like 10 bucks. They get like 10 movies. And once a week, you get three hours of... Uh, uh, those of you parents uh, will have three hours of two or three hours of I mean, no kids around in the summer. Something you can always look forward to. Well, all right. It's part two. Just a few weeks ago. Doesn't seem like that long, and it really wasn't that long ago. We started talking about Obi-Wan. Again, the dulcet sounds of John Williams' score. Well, now we've got the full first series, maybe the only series, maybe the first series. We'll see how it goes. Obi-Wan episodes four through six. And boy, did we get a lot. We thought we got a lot in the first three. The last three were you were you hadn't seen anything yet. Joining me for this episode again is our other Star Wars fan slash expert, Dan Spindle of KSL TV. Dan, you. Hello there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I played. had to do it. Well played. <laughs> Hello there. We had, Obi-Wan was so intense that you were almost willing to break your rule of watching something without your family around. Yeah. And I want to give you credit for being willing, (laughs) even though it didn't work out that way. I want to give you credit for being willing, because this was so big that we would have tried to record this yesterday so we could have had it up even sooner. Well, and I like to watch it at home as well, where I can watch it on a bigger screen, louder volume. I don't want to be sitting at my desk at work in the corner and start sobbing or something and have somebody look over and think there's some <laughs> real issue. Uh, and I like oh, watching we'll it with my children. That. Yeah, my kids were actually, there was just so much going on with camps and things and jobs and, you know, all the summer goings on in the Spindle household. So I, I was going to try and watch it uh, here at work. That didn't work out. I got home. The errands got ahead of us. And then, my gosh. I didn't watch it until about oh, 5, 30, 6 o'clock last night. What? So it was incredibly difficult to inv- avoid all the spoilers. And I didn't really see details, but you see a word trending here and a name trending there. 
And I, yes. that was also oh, some a little bit got spoiled. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's so really? disappointing because they drop them at oh midnight this time zone, two a.m. this time. Zone. Can we just do it at like an evening drop so that everyone can watch it at the same time? Like back in well, the day, broadcast television, for like uh, Hawaii Japan or something, <laughs> somewhere around the international so dateline. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I'm with you on that. You know, it was uh, it, it's late morning for my brother in England. Yeah. Uh, by the time it drops here at uh, what I guess it'd be 1 a.m., it'd be 8 a.m. in England where they'd be watch if they were. You know, he, I don't think he watches it as soon as I do. I've got a friend across the street, huge Star Wars fan, Dan. Uh, he gets up, he waits up for it every night. In fact, his son, his youngest son, finally of all his kids, his youngest finally is in Star Wars and he's very thrilled about that. And uh, so they've been getting up, staying up late together and watching it and so he texts It's a family me. event. Yeah, he texts me cuz I'm I'm asleep. Sure. He texts me when the episode's done. All he texts me is the runtime cuz I'm curious how soon do I need to start it I like versus that. when I need yeah. to finish it, etc. Um but then he and then he's very kind and he waits for my me to watch it before we start discussing, uh, you know, spoilers and things like that. But uh, so final episode, we're going to talk about the last three episodes because right. uh, we've talked about half so far. But I do feel like probably a good chunk of our time is going to be spent on the final episode and all the stuff that went on there. So, I mean, we have a total if you want to consider run times of. Gee, two plus hours, right, that we're going to talk about for those three episodes. Correct. So it's pretty um, close to three hours, but it's less. So if you look at the total show runtime, the whole series, we got the equivalent of two to three movies, if you want to put it that way. Because I felt like this was kind of more of a cinematic feel as opposed to The Mandalorian, where each episode felt like a quest beginning, middle, end, someone needs his help, he helps him out, they resolve that, and then on they go. And there's a little thread kind of linking it together, but each one felt kind of self-contained. This one, I, I thought the whole story, man, I would love to watch it as a movie, right? Like as a uh, a long three-and-a-half-hour Lord of the Rings-style movie. What if somebody cut it together? I, oh, that would be great. But I, if they cut it together, I want to watch it on the big screen. That is one problem I have is that I want to watch it on the big screen. Now, that's screen, true. Right? Now, if they said, at, at the movies, we're going to do a, a Kenobi marathon do at it. the Megaplex Theaters. I'll pay. Would you? Oh, I would, yeah. But, okay, so let's... Well, see, I'm, I'm just going to so, give up all these things that it, I'm it thinking. Would be a mar- it would be a marathon. So, oh, I mean, for sure. It would be, it would be what? Yeah, somewhere three and a half in the hours to four hours. Four to five hours. Oh, I would do that. Well, so let me let me say first, I know in our last half, talking about the first half of the series, I talked about how much I was enjoying it, and I, I will say it just hit the gas for me and ramped it up to a whole nother level with things that we'd always imagined we would love to see, and they delivered them. There are a few issues, just a few. Yes, we will talk and about so some, I, yeah, some I'm critiques. making that list we're, we're in my gonna... brain. It's so minimal, I will say, in the overall scope of how much I loved this series. And there are a few things where I shake my head and I go, well, you didn't have to do that. You could have easily made it this way. But but yeah, we'll get to those. Overall, by and large, are we giving this grades? Like you do your star system on, on, on the movies out of four. Right. Do you ever get into decimals? I know when you're on, um, uh, on I, our KSL newscast. I do half. Half. See, I wouldn't want to give it. A three and a half, but I wouldn't want to give it a four. I'd probably give it like if there's so you're in there. If there if each star has five points, if 
if I can give <laughs> divided in by by you know fifths. What about on a scale of one to ten? A scale of one to ten, I would give it a solid nine. I really okay. would nine out of ten for so sure. Emotionally satisfying, no doubt. Yes. Okay. What keeps you from giving it a ten? Just curious. If I'm rattling it off, and again, I don't know if you want to go in a linear fashion here. A few of the things I have to tell myself and my brain is this is a television show. It is not motion picture quality. Okay, so some of the production quality doesn't quite reach. But but a lot of complaints. It's okay. You can have your Well, let me explain it and give the caveat. It's, for example, and I'll pull out a few examples, okay? You're on Alderaan, right? Right. What do you see in the background? Mountains. And buildings. Yes. Right? And nothing else. You're on Coruscant, the flashback. And what do you see in the skies? We know what Coruscant looks and feels right. like. There weren't a lot of cars busy, in the sky. I didn't think, Until you said that, busy. I don't recall. There There's wasn't a lot going on. in the I sky. I okay? actually thought they were on Naboo for a second. Because it looked it, like that balcony where Anakin and sure, Padme, yeah. could have where been. he woke up from his... No, no, that's what I thought. Yeah. At first when I saw it, just the way it was laid out and visually with the background. Because you're right, Coruscant should have had like a thousand yeah, ships going that, that's everywhere. My issue. To and the point it, where it was parodied in everything that where people right. were doing... Extra. Time. Well, the joke was that George Lucas can't stop with his CGI effects <laughs> and he has to put everything in. Now, again, I would have said, well, you could put a few ships, a few things orbiting the planet, a few things. I don't know. I mean, just fill up the space a little bit. So there were a few of those issues that I thought, OK, is that a budget thing? Is it a timing thing? You know, did they use all their money on getting Ewan to come back because he's a big movie star? I don't know. I don't know. That's a nitpicky little thing is populating these landscapes of Alderaan, Coruscant, okay. and some of these other planets. So that now, was enough. It was enough that you noticed it. I, and did, that I was would distracted keep you, if, a little if it had bit. That you would have probably sure, given yeah, a okay. little bit distracted. That's fair. Um, that was one of the things. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else major. I mean, there we was, can save the critique because I do want to do a thing where we been, just talk about perhaps critiques. perhaps one of the other critiques might have been just you know and and I've seen this online where each little scenario that happened seemed like you had about three stormtroopers here, two over there, three people he's interacting with here, and it's a smaller scope. But again, I I would I would chalk that up to this is a TV show. It's not a movie. And it is a smaller scope and a smaller budget. So there you go. And I can dismiss it like that and, and enjoy it otherwise. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it's like nine out of 10 is not one out of 10 either. So, no. you know, every critique that I give kind of take with a grain of salt because overall I felt satisfied watching it. I, I had all the emotions up down and sideways my kids um, asked me uh andy they said okay so dad where does this rank we've got th- so far three star wars shows the mandalorian and right. they kind of split it into two mandalorian season one mandalorian season two boba fett and and uh, obi-wan kenobi and i'm finding it difficult i would say boba fett sits at the bottom of those even though i i did enjoy it I, it's it's tough for me to rate Obi-Wan Kenobi versus The Mandalorian because, again, I feel like they're two different things. And I almost feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi is a, a movie while Boba Fett is a series. And both are excellent and incredible and awesome and totally different. Totally see, different. if I had to rank series... Um I mean, you're, you're absolutely right because Mandalorian is really its own thing new characters it's new characters different new stories. scenarios it doesn't tie to i mean other than it's luke absolute, showing up it right. doesn't really tie to anything else it, it can tell its own story 
And because of that, it erases expectations by you don't you can't possibly have them because all these people are made up and brand new. Whereas with Obi-Wan, there was no way around it. We were going to have some kind of expectations. Really, right. that was the same for the book of Boba Fett, which is yes. why I rank that third in Agreed. the list of these shows. I, Huge would, I don't weight. know where I'd put Mandalorian versus Obi-Wan. Both have things that are highly satisfying and highly enjoyable. Yes. Um, right now, maybe because of newness, I'd put Obi-Wan a little bit higher. For sure. But yep. Boba Fett is by far third place, but not necessarily like... You know, it's, it's not, not like the trash. difference between no, the Phantom in- Menace and Empire Strikes Back. For difference. sure, it's but it's you know maybe Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones or something like that. But uh, I actually have Attack of the Clones a lot higher on the list than a lot of. people. I do too. Do. Uh, we we are in agreement on that. <laughs> I so story wise, yeah. In parts four through six, yes, uh, we get at part four, which from what I've read online and honestly in my own guts is probably. You know, one of the of the six dip. episodes, it was you know fifth or sixth in the for list for whatever of- reason too. And I, I and you, maybe you can identify it. The kids and I, wa- we were actually on the road somewhere. We were in a hotel, so it was the first time we didn't watch it at home on the big screen with the popcorn sitting in the dark. We were in a hotel room, uh, drew the shades, you know, and and we watched it during the day, and we all kind of. Um, Oh, okay. Like we got done with it and said, uh huh, all right. And I thought, man, that was probably my least favorite because it felt kind of repetitive. It was, okay, we're saving Leia again. There's Reva the Inquisitor again, trying to intimidate her again. Okay. I mean, it saw some new things like Obi-Wan getting his lightsaber on and taking out a couple of stormtroopers. And it was, you know, you go to, what, what's it called? The Fortress Inquisitorium or whatever it's called. It was That was pretty cool, right? Some cool visuals. Now, I will say on a second viewing, I went back and watched it a few days after that. Okay, I have not watched it a second time yet. I'll watch it again. It's it's much better on a second viewing because you kind of allow yourself to not feel, again, the weight of expectation of what you want to see. I'm going to go watch the whole series again We're because same, now same I here. can watch it without wondering, oh, what comes well, next? wait a oh, second, wow. they didn't deliver on this and they didn't do that when I wanted them to do this and that. So, yeah, uh, part four took a bit of a dip and I'm thinking, I, I hope they pull this out. <laughs> <laughs> what you just described is how I feel about The Last Jedi. Okay. Because first time through, you had the weight of expectation. You you, you spend the whole thing like, uh, you know, SpongeBob at full extension. You're trying to soak up as much as possible, process it all, make it fit with what you know, what you don't know. Like, you're, it, it's that first time through. It's like watching The Sixth Sense the first time. You're on the ride, and then when it's over, you're like, wait a minute. And then when you watch it through again, you start to see all the connective tissue. That's how I felt, you know. Last Jedi, I I had the same reaction as everybody else about Luke. Like I just what this has. I remember similar... having discussions in the lobby at, with my friends after, but on the second throw, I said, "Okay, so this is what happened. Now I know what happened. Now let right. me watch it and see does it work. You know how? What can I notice on this time through that I'm not just seeing it all for the first time? Some movies." Phantom Menace was one, since we're sticking with Star Wars, where the first time through, an amazing ride, and especially because you leave on such a high note with that lightsaber duel with Darth Maul and with uh, um, and with uh, Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan. But then on second and then third and then fourth and fifth viewings, you realize that, okay, the first part where they're fighting the droids is pretty cool. Then there's a dip when they go to Naboo, and then 
It's a little cool when they get away in the ship, and then there's a dip when they go to Tatooine, and then the pod race is pretty cool, and then there's a dip, and then there's a like a 10-second lightsaber fight between Maul and Qui-Gon, and then there's a long dip where they go to Coruscant, and eventually you're just like, just get me to the fight. When they go back to Coruscant, you're like, get me to the fight. I don't care about the sneaking into the palace. Get me to the lightsaber fight. And that's on second and third viewings, that's when you really start to see, okay, where, you know, how how do I really feel about this? Well, I, I wish I could watch every movie I review twice. Sometimes I'm able to. It's like, let me confirm what I thought the first time. Or Shazam was an excellent example of that. Did you see Shazam, the the DC movie? You know, I never saw Shazam. First time through, very enjoyable. I was learning it. I didn't really know the history of the character. Yeah. It was fun. There was some good emotional stuff. And then the second time through, I realized all the enjoyable stuff really happened in the second half of the movie and I was kind of like wow we need to get through this first half to get to that enjoyable stuff and that was it was one where the first time through first watch was like wow second watch was like okay I might have lowered my rating just a little bit because that first part is kind of more boring than it felt the first time through and so sometimes if I have seen it twice I'll tell people like hey first time through it was great second time through it was eh, it was all right I think Top Gun Maverick seems like one that people are going to multiple times and oh, have had sure. no issues of second viewing. That's a great movie. I think you've identified, though, the – I guess I'm not going to call it the, the issue or the problem, but just the reality of Star Wars fandom, which is every single uh, entrant into the, the canon and, and different chapters and stories is – Almost it's go under at the a risk huge of being crushed. Yeah, crushed under the weight of expectation, except for um, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian kind of because tangentially. We didn't know anything. Right, it was tied to it. Now, you could say the same thing about Rogue One. The Mandalorian could turn out to be uh, Samus from Metroid. And we really couldn't argue with it right. because it's not a character that has an established history that we know. That is the danger of not just telling things linearly right. is when you start jumping around, you start to be like, well, wait a second. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, now that we can look at it as a whole, as far as the expectations are concerned, or maybe a, if you had some a sort of a checklist of a dozen things that, man, I got to see these things and if disney does this which many could say ah it's simply fan service fan service schmam service i mean of course everything it's fan is service, fan service right? right everything what's the point if not to the tell a story is, are, you, are you trying to tell a story like yeah did you like it was it a good story did it fulfill what you wanted to see uh looking back now sure i, I honestly I didn't have any expectations because up until they announced the series, I I thought this was a story I'd probably never hear. Sure, and therefore, but you're a fan really, of the prequels, but, right, right, right? But but therefore, because I wasn't going to get to hear this story, it really didn't matter to me. There have been a few um, tales from the Journal of Obi Wan that have been in the Star Wars comics that are uh, done by Marvel that are official canon, right? Um, including how Vader finds out it's Luke Skywalker. It involves Boba Fett. Luke and Vader face off for a split second on Tatooine. Vader and Boba or Boba Fett and Luke face off for a second. on. Like there's some times where they've come in contact with each other that had never happened in the movies or been referred to in the movies necessarily. Like the only thing, the only thing we know happens between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back is that there's a bounty hunter in Ord Mantell that changes Han Solo's mind. Oh, see? Other Isn't than that, that great? at some point they got to Hoth. At some point all this other stuff happened. But 
as far as dialogue that refers to the period between the two, that's, <laughs> as far as I know, the only dialogue that makes any reference to anything that happened. So well, that's another when, gap uh, where if they never tell that story... Think I, about I've lived 40 years without it. Lando says, is this in Return of the Jedi? He says, well, someone must have told them about my maneuvering At in the, the Battle, Battle of, of Tanab. <laughs> I love Star Wars for that reason. Now, you could say, well, then why do you want to see any of this filled in and have them just choke the life out of you know any air that exists, some gaps that allow you to, to imagine uh, these different things and visualize different things in your own brain? But in this case... It was too tempting to bring back Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. So, well, I'm glad they did because you only get I, I am you too. only get one shot with these people. I mean, you only get them at one shot at the age that they're at. We're at the we're at Comics, the last they're always the edge. same age. Yeah. Carrie Fisher will never age in the Star Wars fan art and in the Star Wars cover art. She'll always be right. the Princess Leia age. Uh, it was that's part of the reason, honestly. It was kind of hard to see her in The Force Awakens at first. It was just she looked so well, yeah, and all tough. of them really seeing each of them old, seeing Han Solo as old as he was, and then trying to run down from the Wrath Tar. That yeah. was the least believable part of that movie. Right. Uh, but it's okay. I mean, that's just that's reality. Right. No matter how much we make fantasy, no matter how good the de aging technology is, it's never it's never perfect. Maybe someday it will be. Yeah. I don't know. But well, and if it is, it'll be probably through a Star Wars movie or TV series sure. that it's created. Well, and speaking of the de aging, so part um, not to totally skip part four, but well, it was let's, it was interesting. Let's cover part four real yeah, quick. So go so, ahead. Run, uh, run Obi Wan goes it. to the Fortress Inquisitorius to get Leia out, where the trap has been laid for him to do exactly what he did. Right. He gets in. Um, with the help of Riva, who's still in a, uh, uh, she's a disillusioned Imperial officer. We get to find out a little bit more you of mean her story. Tala. Did I say Riva? Riva I meant the, Tala. Uh, yes. The, at this it's point, the Grand letter Inquisitor, lady. I suppose. Um, yeah, she's the Grand Inquisitor at the time because, as far thought, as we know, that was all a farce. But yeah, but we also knew that too. So for sure, or yeah. So at any rate, he gets into the fortress. Um, at some point, he finds essentially a trophy room of bodies of killed Jedis that are encased right. in what, amber, I guess? I mean, it's not carbonite, but... Are they alive or not? I don't think they are. Even though they've got these wide-open eyes preserved for some nefarious yeah. plot? Are and they harvesting the kid, midichlorians the kid, or something? The or? kid with the helmet that <laughs> looks an awful lot like the kids who are like, Master Skywalker. Right, but then <laughs> I heard someone say, well, why'd they put the helmet back on to freeze him or something? Because that little well, maybe kid didn't never have a helmet on. Off. Well, he didn't have a helmet on oh, when he said, who knows? What, what should we do? Look, every time I see um, that scene, all I can think of is the robot chicken scene where Anakin's... Yeah. Have you seen that one with uh-huh. the flowers? <laughs> Oh, of course. Every time Yay. I think about that. Padme, I brought you flowers. They're on the table. <laughs> it's terrible. It's it terrible. Is, but it's so funny. Uh, but at any rate, so you see the trophy room. You see right. it. It's kind of like the reality of hitting Obi-Wan of what exactly is going on. He, he's he been trying to sort of just like tune it all out as evidenced by the, the Jedi. He didn't help in the first episode. Now he sees what the cost is, I guess. Um this is the one, again, this is the episode, the, the highlights for me were seeing the T-47s, the, the snow speeders, uh, show up to save the yes. day. Well, no, apparently they are called something else. They're speeders, T-47s. But they're not, like, they are just adapted for Hoth. I mean, they're not right, officially right, right. snow speeders. I call speeders, them snow speeders, but... Because yeah. everyone knows them from Hoth, I, of course. I just read the book no, they did look cool. from a different point of view, The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view, 
and I believe they're called T forty sevens. Okay, that's what I think. You're, it'll I think take you're, quite a while well, to they, evacuate the T forty seven, sir. They say it in the in the episode too. I, I, yeah. I hate calling him Ice Cube's son, but that's his name. And what's his what's his Star Wars name? Man, it's a good character. I got to look that up now. Wait, is that is it Ice Cube's son? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I did not. Yeah, know he that. was in uh, Straight Outta Compton. He played Ice Cube in Straight Outta Compton. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So they get away. Um, that's where, I, of of all the criticism I've seen online, that was where I thought the most was heaped was the whole uh, thing that goes on in the Inquisitor's Palace. I saw some people attempt to defend it. I mean, I I agree with some of the people and some of the plot holes, but it's one of those things where we're just like, you know, why, why does there happen to be... Uh, a thermal exhaust port on the Death Star. Sure. Because the rebels need to blow it up. Right, exactly. That's why it's there. Well, we made a whole movie to explain movie why it, it's yeah. there. Okay, guess but what? But up until then, we didn't need to know why it was there. It was there. I have his O'Shea Jackson Jr. is his O'Shea name. Jackson. That's and right. he is Roken. Roken. His, that's his last name, actually. I didn't realize it. Colin Roken, K-A-W-L-A-N, Colin Roken. I liked his character. I did. He, he was a good, solid first, character in the last was, few episodes. Um, I thought he was DeForest Whitaker's guy for a second at the very first introduction of him. Uh, who was did that? you say DeForest Whitaker? Did I say that? Instead of Forrest Whitaker? Yeah, that's probably what I said. DeForest <laughs> okay. Kelly and... DeForest, uh, yeah, that's right. We're combining O'Shea Jackson, O'Shea Roken. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, so it was cool the way they were saved. Poor uh, Wade. I said the Forrest Whitaker. The. the. <laughs> Is it Wade, the name of the poor uh, speeder uh, Yes, that doesn't make it away. just doesn't make it away, and they kind of don't really give him two thoughts, but that's okay. That's okay. okay. So uh, they he, got but out. he gets away. They yes. got Leia, but they're still not back to Alderaan. Right. So we go to part five now, and they get to Jabim. Yes. Now, can I say Tala is my favorite new character, and it's so tragic. Was, you mean? Was, right. <laughs> but what a, what a great character to thread through. I guess it was uh, maybe parts two, three, and four, or three, four, and five. Maybe parts three, four, and five. I thought she was great. I thought she was just great. She's an excellent a- a- actor and brought a lot of emotional heft and backstory. And the exposition between uh, she and Obi-Wan Kenobi, it just, they, they lay a lot of nice groundwork for the viewer to listen to. Oh, okay, defected Imperial officer. Right. L- like all of the rebellion is, right? I mean, look at Isn't the everybody Biggs a and defected Wedge. citizen of the Empire? Well, think about it. Luke, I want to go to the Academy. Well, yeah, that was the Imperial Academy to be in the Imperial Navy. That's what Luke wanted to yeah, do. Luke would have been a TIE fighter pilot right. or something. Or there was a no, shuttle pilot. There was no rebellion academy, right? So Biggs uh, and, and Wedge defected. Everyone defects at some point and joins the rebellion. So she had defected. She's a spy. I mean, she's doing all the things that you are risking your own life to do. And then she keeps a tally of how many Force-sensitive she's helping escape. It's just a great—I loved her. I thought she was great. Her droid, Ned, is great. Just just great. I, I really enjoyed her. Terribly emotional her when they Reva killed her. and are kind of mirror images of each other now that we—as as I'm thinking about it. Um, it was the killing of the Force-sensitive kids that yeah. made Tala change True. her mind. And it was the killing of the Force-sensitive kids that made Reva switch— the other direction and become consumed completely by the idea of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about sometimes I wonder, I think we've talked about this before you and I specifically of, you know, the English teacher, there's no way that Shakespeare and some of the authors fully intended the things in their books that your English teacher is telling you they intended. I'm sure some of it is intended. I'm sure some of it is like the more you read it, you're like, you know what? I feel like it's disconnected Here's tissue the motivation. to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe they didn't put so much thought into it, you know? 
<laughs> it's like um, in uh, Star Trek First Contact, they're all ascribing all these noble things to Zephram Cochran, the yes. inventor of warp. Yes. And he finally, on a drunken day, said, I did it for money and women. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like at some point, it doesn't matter the, the original motivations. It because was... he was... He, he was hoping you would get him enough money to buy him some more booze. I don't know. Right, right, right. No, it's, it, it is nice to be able to read into it. If they did mean to do it, they're brilliant. If they didn't, they're brilliant anyway because it just worked so well like the piece of a puzzle. Um, because you want things to flow in a certain way. And Star Wars always has, like you were mentioning, those little lines in there. I mean, from the very beginning when C-3PO said they'll be, we'll be sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel. It just paints this tapestry of things unseen and inexplicable, and yet they work because it's a broader universe and a galaxy that's lived in, right? That was the whole point. So in this case, I liked it. I liked that they were finding this secret Jedi uh, path. Um, Some people have talked about, wait a second, Yoda said, when you die, when I die, Luke, the last of the Jedi, you will be. Come on, you're telling me in the entire galaxy no Jedi survived anywhere or Force sensitives were not? I mean, obviously, Force sensitives existed for thousands and thousands of years, and they were either, you know, collected by the Jedi to become Jedi, right. which we hear from Obi Wan. When yeah, did he say that? Like, that was it's not like when the Sith ki- or when uh, Anakin killed all the Jedi's. Like people stopped having Force sensitive kids, right? Because it wasn't just like if a Jedi mated with a Jedi, they had a Force sensitive kid. It was like some kid was like we hear about well, Obi Wan's brother, but does Obi Wan's brother Force right. sensitive or not? And was he taken somewhere? Right. So, yeah. So in, that'll be season two. In that, we'll see. I, you know what? I'd be satisfied if we didn't have a season two. And if they did and can figure out a great story, I'm all for it. Because this was so enjoyable. Uh, speaking of that, part five, um, Hayden Christensen. For me, it was just enjoyable. That was, that was the flashback knowing. episode where we got yes. to see them in their 2002 outfits, right. hairstyles. And yes, they looked older. There's just no way around that. Even if they tried to de-age him, there's no way you're going to de-age him to teenage years. Your no, body I'm, just changes. I've even seen the uh, the internet de-aging, and sure, it's a smoother face, but it didn't work for me. It's it's not as if I, I looked at Hayden and, oh, and I didn't, Ewan. I'm not surprised, but I didn't know that people have already run oh, it through. Oh, they've done it. They did it within de-aging. an hour, you know? And, but and then I they complain, it. why doesn't Star Wars just do this? Because if I can do it in an hour... Yeah, I, look, I... I thought maybe it was more distracting to look at that. And and a lot of people I, I saw There's online are saying... There's a cognitive dissonance in our minds, too. Yeah. Because we are automatically looking for flaws knowing that this wasn't filmed for sure. when they were that age. And so it's oh. like you can't click that off in your brain. No, the only thing I thought in that scene was I wish they'd have put some more ships behind them going back and forth. If that really was Coruscant. Because I questioned it. I thought, oh, it must not be Coruscant. It must be a planet where they don't have... Oh, that's Coruscant? Okay. <laughs> like, Never where mind. are the ships? <laughs> um, but I will say in that, that brilliantly edited and brilliantly paced episode, part five. Where Obi-Wan realizes it's still the same kid he trained. He's, he doesn't have the patience for a siege. He's right. going to come at us with a hammer because that's how he does everything. Oh, it was great. It wasn't that great back and forth and back and forth. That is a great storytelling device to be able to use the flashback that everybody wanted to see. Everyone wanted to see some kind of a flashback. I saw somebody complaining online, oh, they're using real lightsabers to train? What are they going to do, kill each other? I'm sorry, give me a break. They're both powerful force users and Jedi uh, masters, or let's say Anakin's a Jedi knight and Obi-Wan's a Jedi master. Anakin, you get a wooden lightsaber. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, of course, they're... 
and and they're probably pulling it back to about 86% of full, right? Sometimes you do practice and the coach says out on the field, hey, let's take this to 75%. No, he's not going to cut him, but he wouldn't cut him anyway because Anakin would block it in a split second. You know, like Spider-Man has his spider right. sense and they everything's all in use slow the motion. Force. That's... They're using the force and, and it looks like they're going at each other as hard as they can. They're not quite. I always thought that was why the lightsaber duels were more compelling was just that subtext of... This is why they can have a long duel, whereas when you watch Olympic fencing, it's like two it's seconds. Too, it's too quick. <laughs> but with the force, like they can use the force and they can each use the curries of the, sure. the eddies of the force to they like can feel to it. fight. And so when one is more strong than the other, you know, you get to a point where you can break through the defenses. That's kind of how I always imagined it growing up, which is why I liked lightsaber dueling was just sort of that each of them using a spidey sense to fight For each sure. other. Yeah, that's what I got from that. And I loved that it was cut back and forth with the strategy of the current time, which was Obi-Wan trying to figure out what would Vader do, Vader trying to figure out what would Obi-Wan do, and they, each of them knowing, we know you and don't try to escape because this is how I know you're going to do this thing. Right. And so. they were both right. Um so in that episode, we get we, we find out that Reva's full plan and that it was right. actually revenge rather than, you know, desire to be the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, Vader, of course, stops her. And how cool was that when he uses the force well, to just stop that, a lightsaber swing? He on. just holds it back. Before that, let me just say. As him I bringing was, down the ship. Hold on. See, you're going backwards now. Start from. I When it really picks up and they're they're blocked into the thing. And he goes to negotiate with Riva. And so then we get a backstory that, that should satisfy everyone's critique of, wait a second, how did she know that Anakin... W-? Oh, okay, that's how she knew. And I Didn't loved- we discuss that in the first half, if I recall well, we correctly? Talk- yeah, we, were, we talked we were about, trying to wait, figure how, out, like, how she does know? she know? Uh, you know these filmmakers and these TV show makers are going, will you all just yes. be patient? Actually, the writers did say that at episode three. They're like, I, we and hope about everyone the Grand Inquisitor. The just take it easy. Uh, what did Anakin questions say? we think will be answered. Wasn't Anakin in, it was at episode two or three when he says, I say patience. When they're in the elevator. That was episode oh, three, right? It's episode three, yeah. says, oh, we're smarter than this. No, that's the ray shields. Anyway, oh yeah, they're in the ray shields. And he says, I say patience. So the, the whole time when this series is rolling out, I kept thinking, I say patience. That's the right course of action. He gets up there. I saw another comment. Somebody said, how, how are they talking through the blast doors at whispered tones? Because when he walks up there, he puts his hand out and there's the whoosh sound of the force. It's, it's this force connectivity. That he and Reva are using to talk. And Here, she reveals a lot. And he, it's just interesting of him uncovering and pulling back the, oh, that's why you're, okay, that's who you are. That's how you must know these things. Wait a second. Don't you understand? Look, we can join together. We want the same thing. And she goes, do we? Do we want the same thing? Do you want to kill him? And we got the answer by the end. He did not. He did not. So Continue episode five, he, we get to see the, um, the the Force, what's the video game? The Force Unleashed. Unleashed. Yeah. We get to see him pull down a ship. Oh, boy. We get to see Reva pull down half of a ship or a smaller ship. Um, you know, the the Reva tries her treacherous attack after the other ship escapes. Um, I, again, we'll, we'll get to complaints because there. I, this is where a lot of people's complaints have come in. I, I will say this. For people who hear complaints and get frustrated that other people are complaining about it, I, my thought process is, is this. I usually notice the same things you do. Yeah. You know, I, I I think, okay. But I also realize, like, again, story, 
there's a part of me that would rather they not use a power that they somehow imagine immediately forget about <laughs> right after, or there if it'd be nice if there was some explanation. But if you noticed it, odds are the people who made the episode also noticed it. So either they did it deliberately, right. and there's a power that you just haven't heard about yet. Uh, as I've read articles with the writers and how uh, I want to say one of the head writers would, would would go to Pablo Hidalgo a lot and say, hey, what, where are we like on this? And you go to right. Dave Filoni. Right. Is this a force power that's been used before? Do you think it works? Does it, you know, they're, they're not just like, hey, you know what would be a cool force no. power? If Vader could like shoot his hands like they could actually detach from his body and he could <laughs> punch you from across style. the room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're not trying to come up with that. It, it, it does feel to me like there's a good faith effort to say, hey, could we try a new force power? Does this work? I mean, is there something that 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 makes it seem like this couldn't be done? Right. And so, um, I don't blame anybody who has criticisms, but I. This is the reason that they weren't distracting from her. They didn't take me out of it to the point where I couldn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, is because I, was, I really think they leave stuff in because they leave it in. That they, they, maybe they didn't take the time to tell you exactly why this thing is happening. Maybe they don't tell you then because it'll be explained later. And even though you want the answer to your question now, they're like, just maybe sometimes we're like my kids. You're watching a movie together for the first time. Somebody walks on screen. Dad, who's that? I don't know. <laughs> just wait. I don't know. Let's find out if they explain who that is. You know, why did they do that, Dad? I don't know. I've seen just as much of this as you have. I've got to say, in part five, too, so Reva, Obi-Wan talking, she, she cuts through the weakness in the blast door that had already been hit by the heavy gun multiple times, so that's fine. That checks out. When she got that door open and they immediately start advancing on the Force-sensitive families or seeds of rebellion, whatever you want to say these people are, right. I was panicking. I mean, I the emotion that I was feeling at that moment, because of the fact that Obi-Wan and Reva had this moment, connectivity, and then all of a sudden it explodes into violence, vicious violence, Tala dies, Ned dies, the great droid. I mean, yeah. kind of a K2SO moment there. And I felt it. Obi-Wan gives himself up. They have this back and forth. And finally, Vader comes to, you know, storm through that area, knowing he'd kind of been double-crossed in a way, rips down the sh- It was just, you know, 20 minutes of full-on emotion that I was experiencing and going, wow, what an incredible storytelling slate of scenes that they just kept throwing at me. And and I loved it. I I really loved it. And I was ripped apart by it in many ways, like uh, Vader ripped apart the ship. (laughs) And then the fight that he had was so brilliant. With Reva? Where he did not use a lightsaber once. And then finally, she's spinning it. Oh, look how awesome this... This, which is the new HasLab, by the way. Did you see that? No. The new HasLab project is Reva's uh, lightsaber. But it's $500. So what do you think you can make bucks. back on it, Dan, when you sell it? I don't know. Andy's asking me this because I did buy uh, two Razor Crests um, during the last HasLab. The, the Rancor did not get the number of backers it needed. There was going to oh, be a so Rancor for happened, Boba Fett. Huh? Didn't make it. They, they scrapped it. I got two Razor Crests. I have one proudly displayed in my home. My son, quote unquote, bought the other one from me that is up in a closet not to ever see the light of day until some future date. But the but figures are gone from it, right? Uh, or is the, that from yours? Well, no, I sold a couple figures from mine, the off-world Jawa and the, um, I don't know if it's, it's, it's blasphemy. I sold Grogu, little Grogu in his <laughs> pod. I recouped all of my money on both of them. 
Um, and I wasn't doing it to specifically flip them or something. I did want the one for myself. Um, and Jackson, my son, is going to hold on to it, the other one. But they're going for, right now, about between seven and 800 bucks, and they originally were going for 350 The Katana uh, Jabba's Sail Barge, which was the first Haslap. Sorry, folks, to go into a rant about Star Wars nope, toys. Right. But <laughs> Dan has a history Katana, with Star Wars toys. Well, I, I, We've talked about my it My son actually collects them more than I do, the Black Series, the six-inch Black Series. But anyway, the Katana now, I mean, you have an un boxed or, or a sealed new inbox katana java sale barge you can get 2500 bucks and those were originally 500 dollars. i mean if you're looking That's to a pretty good return. quote unquote invest the more who who back it if they get their six seven thousand backers eight thousand backers whatever it might be obviously it won't be worth a ton because there will be eight thousand of them out there you know but they have to In hit the hands a number. of six people Sure. So <laughs> those, finance their mortgage to right, buy, five buy of them. 15 of them. By the way, this is not unique to Star Wars. I, I've been playing NBA 2K22. That's what they do with the rare cards and that, too. Yeah. So. Right, right. It's, it's, it's all collectibles. You've got Transformers yeah. and G.I. Joes and all kinds of things. This uh, Riva's spinning Inquisitor-style lightsaber is awesome, um, but 500 bucks that's too much. That's too much. You can get a great... Legit yeah, lightsaber you can get at Galaxy's three Edge. lightsabers at Galaxy's Edge, like some people do for that same amount. Right now, which sounds or crazy, more than that. But you really, you really can. And I, I don't know about this one. So, I, bottom line, I'm not going to do it. But point being, she's spinning that thing, and Vader's like, cute. I mean, that's what I thought from Darth Vader. Cute. Here, I'm going to pa- stop this thing from yeah, spinning. Watching him stop. Well, but watching him like actually stop a lightsaber strike oh, from yeah. a force user just Had with his hand. Have we ever seen that? I mean, I, I guess haven't. did we see it in in Rise of Skywalker? Was there any kind of stopping a lightsaber or what? No, he to just think. stopped the blaster bolt and held it in okay. the air forever. Okay, which was there was no that was uh, one of my complaints too. But again, maybe in animation, maybe in animation they did it somewhere with stopping a lightsaber with with the force but um and then he breaks it in half and tosses it to her here you you still want to use that uh, Reva? let's duel again hot stuff huh i mean the fact that she thought you know you're thinking just run up behind him no he knew from the time yeah. he went in there and he's like wait where's kenobi he's secured inside oh, this is nonsense so as he's storming towards kenobi to destroy him in the back of his mind he knows i'll deal with Reva in a second he knows Right, he was he was using oh, her. He was manipulating her. So that was awesome. The end of it, incredible. Everybody's always using each other. Oh, on no the doubt. Bad guy the the full on manipulation of the dark Emperor side. uses Vader. Oh, Emperor boy. uses everybody Let's else. Let's get to that. In part okay, six, so episode man. five, Obi Wan does get away, um, but he doesn't get away completely. Get off planet, but now they're being chased by a star destroyer. Yeah. That's how we get into episode six, part six. Uh, and there's precedent in that from um, from the last hope. Jedi. Well, I, I was thinking, oh, oh, yeah, they pursue him in A New Hope, too. I was thinking um, The Last Jedi, where they can't quite get away, but yeah. the larger ship can't quite close in enough to just well, tractor beam them or whatever. Well, you could look at Empire Strikes Back, where the Millennium Falcon's flying circles True. around the Star yes. Destroyer. That's what I, well, I told my son, I said, why don't they just flip back towards, and he said, well, because then the tractor beam might get away. Okay, okay. I'm not familiar with all the... They're moving into a tech position. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's happened, and, and they've got the shields holding out for a little while, but we know they can't but hold out forever. he has to tell Obi-Wan, like, dude, it's not looking good. And, yeah. and then Obi-Wan has to make the sacrifice play. He's got to say goodbye to everybody, then get on a little cruiser and take off knowing that uh, that Vader will follow him. Did it and surprise he knows you? that Vader knows that he knows Vader will follow oh, him. Yeah. It's one of those things where he's like, look, I'm going this way. I know you're coming after yeah. me. And he's like, I don't care that you know that. Before Vader followed him, did it surprise you that the Grand Inquisitor was allowed to take such a tone with Darth Vader? Because I kind of expected Darth Vader to to put him down 
because the Inquisitor says, It is foolish to chase one Jedi, and let us go after these rebellious, traitorous, da-da-da. And Darth Vader's like, They are nothing. I need Kenobi. Darth and he's like, like, Well, F you. I, I mean, honestly, the, the Grand Inquisitor <laughs> was kind of like, Giving him the business, like uh, Vader, this is pathetic. Why are you going after this I will one? Squish your is this a personal vendetta, Vader? Like a grape. I almost thought Vader would kind of glance over something like, "Do not test me, Grand Inquisitor." Almost like throw that at him, like, "Yeah, like you he think did you're with uh, Krennic." Uh, sure, yeah. Be I sure mean, not to choke on your ambitions. Uh, well, that was the thing. Krennic goes there. Please, can I talk to Vader? Because I, I know I can't talk to the Emperor because nobody does. But listen, Vader, we're on the same side here. And Vader's kind of like, "Listen, dude." Your aspirations and your ambition and your technical know-how for go, the Death will you Star. You go tell the Emperor how good a job That's, I'm doing. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, settle down, little guy. So I almost expected Vader to say something to the Grand Inquisitor. Grand Inquisitor, to his credit, just kind of stands there. Okay, Vader, I guess you're going to do this. But then well, they took all off. Bootlicks. I mean, you can tell that they're all bootlicks. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. And and look, Vader taking his ship and having the ship, you know, the wings, the great Imperial the shuttle. shuttle to oh. Actually, that is the Lambda-class shuttle. It looked fantastic. Just fantastic. Um, so we get to that point. Yeah. We have the duel. Cause we're going to talk about the duel after our break because we're, we're going to talk a lot about the duel. Obviously, that was what the whole series was building up to was that duel. Yeah. It was promised by Kathleen Kennedy. They duel. Uh, Obi-Wan wins again. Reva now is on Tatooine chasing after Luke. I don't... I, I'm not 100% sure she knew that he was Anakin's son. He just knew it was a Force-sensitive that Obi-Wan was trying to hide. Yeah. Um, she has her sort of redemption moment where she doesn't kill Luke when she has the chance. Owen and Beru, we get to see fight and hold off a whole Tusken Raid. Oh, that's from the radio program. Your uncle can hold off a whole Tusken raiding party with just one blaster. That was in the radio version of Star Wars. See, I didn't realize that. I'm glad to see that played out, honestly. Um, yeah, but they were they were pretty sharp with the blaster, the two of them. And they were defending their home. And, um, you know, so Reva saves Luke instead of killing him. What happened to her? Did she wander off? Did are we going to get into this now, or are we going to get into it after the break? Because I've got much to say about uh, this. The finale of Reva. Okay. Well, yeah. anyway, so that's what it is. And then uh, Obi-Wan... Uh, surprises Leia back on Alderaan right. that he survived. Uh, Obi-Wan goes back to Tatooine. And actually, I think he showed up about the time that they brought Luke back, right? So yeah. he goes to Alderaan first, then Tatooine. Then Obi-Wan rides off. Owen and Obi-Wan aren't so at each other's throats anymore. Uh, he should be a kid. Now we go and Master Qui-Gon shows up and... Of course he did. We're done. He so had to. That's the end of this. We got to take a break right now uh, because we've got a lot to talk about in the second half of this, including you know just some different thoughts about where it goes from here. What were some of our feelings, and of course, the big duel between Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi that precedes the what used to be the big duel. <laughs> we're gonna have to rank the duels between Obi Wan and Vader. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Fan Effect, talking Obi-Wan Kenobi, the second half, episodes four, parts four, five, and six of a series that we both really enjoyed. We've kind of recapped the plot, given some of our basic thoughts. But now we got to go into some deeper detail on how things have played out over the last half of the series. And uh, I'm curious, Dan, to get your thoughts on a few things. So I'll let Shoot. you start off. You had a couple things yeah. on your mind. Let's talk about your things. Well, and then... I mean, did you want to separate the um, the issues? Because I have a few more issues towards the end of the episode. Do you want to do critiques right now? Let's do critiques. And, and then, then we'll, we'll talk end about a high note. We yeah. have done the stuff we love the most. Okay. So major critiques uh, would obviously be, oh, Grand Inquisitor stabbed straight through. And all of us who've seen Star Wars Rebels said, well, wait a second, he's the big baddie of the first season of Star Wars right. Rebels, so we know he's alive. Oh, he's alive. Reva stabbed straight through. Ah, you know, I mean, she was limping a little, I guess, and kind of not full strength on Tatooine at the end, but she didn't die. Okay, Qui-Gon Jinn was stabbed straight through. He died. He died. That's <laughs> exactly. how you kill somebody is you stab him. Look, you can you can argue that Maul was sliced in half, and so, of course, he used the dark side. He, what, he had a nice sealed wound, and they put spider legs on him in animation, and there you go. That's, uh, you know, The lightsaber is a lot less destructive unless you're quite... When you, but it, when so you there was a comment people. on the AV clubs. It's funny you say that. My brother texted me a screenshot after he watched the episode. i got to give credit to... Uh, a guy named Ham who posted, too bad Qui-Gon never learned that shrug off getting impaled by a lightsaber trick yeah. that all that's, of the uh, Inquisitors seem to know. Look, that's my only problem. With the Grand Inquisitor, and when he said to Reva in part five, and he says, uh, revenge certainly helps for, for survival or whatever he said, I wish he'd have had another line of dialogue and the writers would have come up with something to say. You thought it would be that easy. Don't you understand that I what? X, Y, Z. This is how I survived. And it doesn't have to be cheesy and right on the nose, but just say something that suggests how he survived. Reva, one, coulda, shoulda, died right in the Battle of Vader. It's a little surprising considering how quickly Vader kills everybody else in all right. the other canon. Maybe that's why Vader kills everybody else. I mean, Vader, we forgot, we didn't mention the vicious line that he says to her. He goes, did you actually think you'd be able to beat me, youngling? Ooh, Vader knows where she came from. He remembers that he slaughtered children, and he is uh, sticking it to her again. Like, ooh, that was vicious. That that part to me was incredibly uh, accurate to Darth Vader and the scary, vicious Darth Vader everybody knows and loves, um, but vicious and terrible. So I get that using Reva for part six as the tension and the oh no she could come after luke so but again I, that, we know she can't get luke owen or baru right true which takes some of the fun it, honestly there's part of me that kind of although this would have been like the red shirts in star trek if there was like another friend of the family who lived on the moisture farm with who luke, died so that reva sure. kills that person yeah, yeah. and we would have known as soon as reva got to the farm that's probably well, who look, was gonna die so my biggest beef would be 
Reva surviving, I suppose that's fine. I would have liked another line, perhaps, to explain how she did it. And then she needed to die. My, my one critique is, look, Tala, you set her up for a couple episodes. We get to know her better than a lot of the characters in the original trilogy because they didn't have a lot of screen time as much as she had, right? Right. She had a lot of screen time, a lot of conversation. You, you kind of grow to love her, and then she dies and sacrifices herself ultimately with a the thermal detonator. It's incredibly moving. Reva she has a story arc and she gets to a point where you understand her motivation, where she's coming from. You feel for her. She tried to have the duel with Vader, couldn't get it done. In this case, I suppose I kind of selfishly wanted to see Baru take her out. Right. I would have thought that would be cool. You leave my family alone. Something like that. Right. But if you wanted to have her redeem herself and walk across the desert and deliver Luke, then keel over and die. She needed to keel over and die. One, because it would have made for a, a good moment, a, listen, I could have killed him, but actually I saved his life at the expense of my own life. You're walking across Tatooine, even at night. I'm sorry, the suns are down, but, but it's rough. And she's dying, theoretically anyway, inside with internal injuries. The second thing, the reason she has to die... She knows something is up with this boy on the Lars homestead. Right? How that, can she same be way, left alive? That's why, that's why Darth Maul had to die once he right. found out about Luke. And it was look, You're it was in sad. the wrong place. I mean, how one? How did Obi Wan just let her live? People are saying how did Obi Wan let Vader live? Well, because Vader's still alive and Obi Wan's still alive, and that's how it works. Reva, we don't know Reva. You can get rid of Reva. Don't tell me it's to bring her back for another series. I, I don't need more Reva. I, I don't dislike her. I think it's a great character, actually. I really enjoyed the arc of Reva. But it feels like her arc closed it once she done. saved Luke. She needed to die for the story. So many people die. And so, look, Rogue One, they could have left some of those folks alive. We didn't have to ever see them again, right? They could have died at some point where we, right. we didn't hear from them again. You could have left it open-ended where you didn't know. But Chirrut and Baze and, uh, and uh, you know, Jin and uh, Cassian, everybody died. You know, yep. the blue squadron, they all died. I mean, you got people yep. smashing into the force field. People die Admiral in Star Wars Rattus. all the time. Admiral Rat, no one is precious in Star Wars enough to... Outside the Skywalker protect, family. Except for the Skywalkers, <laughs> of course. But, I mean, look, Shmi died. And the Palpatines, apparently. You didn't have to kill Shmi. I mean, his mother died. Well, I suppose so. That no, you leads did. him to the dark side. Okay, got it. Because okay. he needed to feel for like sure. his, all his powers and he couldn't okay, save Okay, I her. take it back. Superman syndrome. But, Reva needed to die. That's all I'm saying. Reva needed to die to serve the greater story. And if you wanted to have her be redeemed, even though she lopped Maybe she off went that and died off screen hand, right after. <laughs> I can only hope so. And again, only because you can't leave that loose end untied. You got unless they plan to tell end. another story. Uh, with her, I'm not interested. And what are you going to say? She joins the rebellion now. You don't want no, her to join no, the rebellion. No, but it could be something where. Um, I don't know. The fact that she has the knowledge creates a conflict that Obi-Wan has to go deal with or something. I don't know. I mean, she's vicious. Who has she killed? Who has she tortured? I mean, she's... Everyone? That's almost like Kylo Ren at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker being redeemed, and you're kind of like, okay. All right. I guess. Since we brought up... But then he killed himself to save Rey. Since we brought up Kylo Ren... Well, let me do my criticisms, and then we'll talk about some of the connective tissues. What bugged you, if anything? Um, The things that bugged me were... They were just little things where... Um, you know, I've pretty much got all the movies memorized, you know, yeah. whenever I hear a reference, the way my brain works, it immediately identifies some of the situations. I think, oh, this is kind of one of those rhyming, uh, situations here, you know, um, 
so anytime that I saw something, and this is, if I have a criticism, again, this is, this is the flip side of the coin when I said earlier, if you noticed it, it's probable that the producers and the writers noticed it too, and they left it in there for a reason. Yeah. It's one of those things where why invite the people to be like, what? Why is it like this? Like, if you know, don't set yourself up. If for you the know that people are going to ask yeah. about that, just say like, either we need to explain something because that's what we're going to be looking for. As soon as Leia met Obi Wan, it was a great fun surprise. But why was it a surprise? Because there was no indication anywhere in the history of the trilogy None. that they had met before. Right. Everything seemed like it didn't. Now I felt like they did kind of answer that at the end, where Obi Wan says, "Look." People can't know that we know each other. Like this is sure. This has to stay between you and I because it'll put people in danger. So you could argue that the transmission that was held within R two was so that if anybody intercepts it, right. they can't tie they it back say, to oh, her. They already knew something. I, no, she I, can I write agree. it off as listen. He worked for my father in the Clone Wars. Like I said, I was just reaching out to an old colleague. What you're telling me? Oh, oh. Okay, I mean, I don't know. Because at that I point, information vital to the survival of the rebellion. I know, I know. No, 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 but, but I'm that, trying but, to but justify. But it does answer two other things. Them knowing each other means that when Luke says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, ben and Kenobi. she immediately springs up, yeah. where is he? Yeah. Now at least that makes sense. You could have argued before that maybe at some point Bale said, hey, his name's Ben Kenobi also. Um, but I think she here heard was both the of big them one. at some point. Here was, was little... the big one. For somebody that she had supposedly never met, yeah. why was her son named Ben Solo? This explains that. True. Oh, absolutely. And it's, so, a, it's a great but that's nod to saying. the sequels. So there's yeah. things where as soon as you see it, your first thought is, wait a second. Yeah. So that's all. If I have a criticism, it was any moments where I was kind of like, huh? You know, when it felt like they could have avoided it, like. Sure. I, there I were can't some be the person things. who knows the most about Star Wars in the world, like, and I don't claim to be, except on this podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is, like, somebody, there's always a bigger fish. Somebody always knows more. So, yeah. Get that somebody and just say, hey, as I'm watching through this, these are the questions that pop up in my mind. Well, and you might say, well, you can't please everyone. Right. But there are just some obvious things you don't have yeah. to shoot yourself That's in the foot. That's one of the things that drove my brother nuts about the prequel trilogy was that like, he's like, George, you the wrote the dialogue in this end. Yeah. Why are you doing this on the other end that makes right. you wonder like, what? I don't recall owning a droid. You mean R2-D2, the but one that was with you all the time? It. And okay, oh, I, yeah. actually, yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. about that one this morning. There, are, there is legit in canon reasons where that could sure. be. Where he, there's a lot of astromechs. He doesn't, right. spe- he doesn't speak droid, so it's not like R2 could be like, hey, Obi-Wan, uh, remember me? I don't me? know. Anakin speaks droid in that cutscene from episode three Until, where he goes, I think he was saying beep, boop, beep. No, no. When they're in the ship, they can read the droid because when it beeps, it shows up on their display. Yeah, but, but Alec Guinness is saying, I don't ever recall owning a droid. Yeah. Look, it's all retconned. It's yes. fine. I, I threw this out to my kids the other day. I said, Anakin Skywalker building a protocol droid on Tatooine? That's the most impractical thing I've ever heard of in my life. He built C-3PO. Come on now. It was He's to help mom with chores in case she needed to speak six million droid. Come on. Come on. No, okay. I'm not going to knock the prequels. But can I say something about Leia while we're kind of talking about young Leia? What I loved about it and what this uh, part six did, finally we got the John Williams Imperial oh, March. Dude. Dude. Which is Darth Vader's theme once he is fully Darth Vader. We need to talk about that. But let Dude. me talk about the Leia thing first. Dude. With young Leia, which I did not at all find annoying. A lot of people thought, oh, she's annoying. She's this, she's that. Nope. I really enjoyed it. One, I did because, a little bit in the first episode, look, but I got I have, used to her quick. I have a nine-year-old daughter 
my daughter is Leia Organa. She says things like Leia. She acts like Leia. She's cute. And at the same time, you look at your, I look at my wife and go, what did she say? This Who's, who says these things? What kind of a nine-year-old, 10-year-old thinks these things? So I have a daughter who's that age who will very likely be dressing up as young Leia Organa for Halloween. I'm not kidding. She saw that. She says, oh, I got to be Leia. I'm going to be Leia. And she always loved Leia anyway. Leia interacting with Wicket and all of that. Loved Leia. As her as she progressed and you saw her trying to comfort others i thought oh that ties in with when ben kenobi allows himself to be killed by darth vader what is she doing she's comforting luke because she just saw her whole planet get destroyed okay yep. she's she's not callous to the point of not feeling emotion however it it i kind of tied her together with cassian andor let me tell you why cassian says to jen when Jin says, my father, this and that, and Cassian says, excuse me, you have no idea what I've been through. I've been in this since I was six. I don't get to pick and choose and decide how I feel about things in the moment. This is real life, sister, right? Yeah. I feel like Leia, sadly, is is becoming, a, because of this ordeal, because of whatever she goes through now from here on out for the next nine years, through her Senate school or whatever, right. but but secretly knowing that her father is kind of working with this rebellion and she's working with this rebellion from the time she's 10, she has seen things. She has gone through things. That yep. is Carrie Fisher in episode four. Give me this blaster. I'm getting this out of here. What's wrong with you guys? This is Princess. Get this walking carpet out of my way. Yep. Oh, Tarkin. Oh, Darth Vader. She's so freaking tough. She is. And yet... Because of what she's been through and because of what her parents taught her and because of the force and her force sensibilities that she doesn't even know about. No, but but, no, but no, when no, she no, talks but... to Luke in, 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 in uh, Return of the Jedi, kind of that I think she has had sensibilities, you know, not force right, abilities, right. but but sensibilities to allow her to have she compassion. She knew something was going on that was different. Well, because the Jedi learned to harness the force and utilize it for compassion. I think the force or midichlorians or whatever you want to say, working within her, allowed her to be compassionate and strong all at once. So I liked seeing the beginnings of a Leia of Alderaan senator I, you know, I'm an, I, I'm I'm on this uh, you know mission to Alderaan on a on a goodwill mission. You know, she was allowed to keep that facade, and people kind of bought it in the in the Empire because she was an Imperial senator, right? right? She was because she could pull off the compassionate and yet secretly bad a <laughs> fighter yep. that we know Leia Organa was. So I I really enjoyed young Leia. I don't Did know. Did you maybe... know that they filmed the torture scene in the Death Star? They actually filmed it. Carrie Fisher's talked about it. She had to hang upside down for like a whole day in shooting. I did not know that of her getting they tortured. They shot it and then they didn't use any of it. And she's like, I hung upside down for two days for nothing. Oh, see, that's... I like that they didn't show it because yeah. it leaves that it, to the it's imagination. It's way more ominous. But when they brought in Leia's theme... Dude, I actually teared up. I I did did too. I lost it because... And I was like, this is... Is this embarrassing for me that just hearing Leia's theme actually brings tears to my eyes? My wife sitting there. They know what's going to happen when I watch Star Wars because... But that was the only part that got me. The fight between Obi-Wan and Vader didn't get me. Hearing Leia's theme freaking almost immediately. I I will say... That's the power of the music of John Williams in Star Wars for me. I, uh, I agreed, and John Williams' music is is the it's a character. thread. It's a character. Well, it's the heart and soul. It's the beating heart of Star Wars because otherwise, it's an awesome sci-fi kind of thing. 
John Williams' music makes it the adventure and the love story and the connective familial tissue. I can recite lines of dialogue based on the music that I'm hearing because they're so intertwined. Yoda's theme, and now we have Obi-Wan's theme. Look, sequel trilogy, I love Ray's theme. The bum ba da Yes, I like that one a lot. I love it. But Leia's theme gets me every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. I'm I'm with you. Now, if you want to backtrack a little and talk about before we heard the Imperial March or Vader's theme with the Emperor, so because we haven't really talked about the duel, boy, the action was great. I'll, I'll just start it by saying my son texted me this morning, my, my son Jackson, who I have not watched it with. He watched it without me because he had to work. He texted me this morning and he said um, uh, about the duel. I'm going to tell you right now word for word what it said because it was, it was kind of cool. And I thought, ooh, that's, that's pretty, pretty intense. Um, he says, uh, I knew that they were going to do this scene with Vader's mask cut open. We kind of knew that from, from Rebels. Everyone want to see Rebels, where, where Ahsoka did that. He goes, uh, I said to him, Reva needed to die, but I'll let it slide. He goes, I agree, but I just think, he was going back to the duel, he goes, I just think that Vader-Kenobi fight might be the best in all of Star Wars. And I thought, whoa, that's, that's an intense thing to say. Okay. And I will indulge him for a second to say, look, you might say that the Mustafar fight was the best fight skill-wise. This fight, I felt almost like in a street fighting. Yes, almost like in a boxing movie where you almost feel the sweat and you can almost feel the swollen eye. Oh my gosh, the blood, the sweat. This one was just raw. It was raw. It was the closest thing to raw since Obi Wan fought Maul. Now, and not with Qui Gon, but after Qui Gon dies, for sure. As soon as Obi Wan comes out of uh, the ray shield. He there's no dialogue. It's just two dudes smashing sabers at each other. There's no dialogue at all. In fact, the whole rest of the duel, it's just fighting and some of the coolest. And then this, the one with all the other duels have like this weird emotional subtext of, uh, you know, uh, Dooku versus uh, uh, Obi Wan. He just gets beat pretty quick. Right. Yeah. Uh, Really, that was building up to the the Dooku versus uh, Yoda battle, Uh, and then. When they're fighting each other, they're fighting each other, but they're also like they know each other perfectly. And sure. on Obi Wan's side, at least he's he he knows he can't hold back, but there's a part of him that's holding back. Yeah, uh, the Obi Wan Vader duel. Obi Wan knows he's not getting off the Death Star. This is once Vader shows yep. up, he's like, I got to keep him occupied so they can get away. Well, and he also had learned from Qui Gon. Right, we know that he learned from Qui Gon the ultimate power of the Force. Right. to become you Luke know, versus Force Vader Ghost. on Bespin is an inexperienced well, Luke, and Vader's essentially oof. toying with him. Yeah, until the very end when he gets mad. We talked about that last time when Vader just starts smashing. Yep. at Luke. Anytime Vader stops talking in a duel, that's when you need to be afraid. Well, and the Vader, uh, and then the Return of the Jedi. Luke's yeah. not trying to fight him. He's literally trying not to fight him the whole time. Yeah, until almost the like very end when he gets pushing his the lightsaber pushed. side to side to side. Well, he's like Vader fighting and then he keeps him. turning it off and he jumps it's away. He's like, I'm not going to yeah. fight you. Yeah. Uh, he goes into hiding at some point until he finally. There's a whole subtext that's happening. Yeah. So this one was all. But this out is a street war. fight. Like, yep. we're, we're just going to smash at each other. I mean, and how great was the choreography? I thought the choreography was brilliant. I thought uh, Obi-Wan starting off in his classic Obi-Wan position. With the fingers extended. Absolutely. I mean, it's a whole style. I don't understand the styles. There are lightsaber yes, styles no, that is. all the, like you said, yep. the bigger fish in the Star Wars galaxy understand. 
I'd love to hear them break it down and go, oh, this is his perfect defensive position. At one point, he was holding it almost like Ahsoka would have, almost with a backwards two-handed grip, Obi-Wan was. And he he got a couple swings in that way. And I told, I looked at my son, like, whoa, that, that's different. And how about it? They're going at it. Vader beats him. Vader has the high ground. I almost thought he would say that. I have the high ground now. Now, who has the high ground? <laughs> right. You knew Obi-Wan was was underneath. I thought maybe he'd, he'd convene with Qui-Gon underneath there, and Qui-Gon would help him bust through or something. But when he gets out and Vader's going, oh, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. When he did the whole Ray kind of thing with all the, the stones, I was so happy to see that because I, I like Ray. I do. I like the sequels very much, but I didn't want to see so much force power used willy-nilly like it was in the sequels. Where you're going, man, even the most powerful Jedi have never done those types of things. So Except I loved, for now they have. Well, I loved that, that Obi-Wan rises up full power, all the stones, the blue lightsaber, and you you're like... You could argue he's tapping into the dark side at that point. Or, or nothing maybe just said. the ultimate of the light side. I mean, it was a full-powered Obi-Wan Kenobi finally reaching his full strength and potential that we've never, ever seen before. And we didn't see afterward, ever, right? So Which then, I would have loved a little bit of an explanation of. And so yeah. here, since, since you're talking Go about ahead. this, before we get into the, the post-dual dialogue, because that was a really cool part. Yeah. As I was watching it, I kind of hoped that Vader would have left the planet thinking Obi-Wan was dead and buried under that. So that when he is on the Death Star and he's like... I sense a presence I've not felt since, and, and he then he leaves it off. Truly the idea would be, since I buried his butt on that weird yeah. planet. Well, even Tarkin says to him, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, there's no way. Right. And you know? it, it, would have, it, would, it would seem like, look, I get why, and it yeah. was awesome, and I loved the final duel, and I loved the dialogue, and we're going to listen to the dialogue here in just a second. But for just pure connective tissue... I think it would have been better if uh, it had been direct to uh, he just left him there and he thought he was dead. He thought he'd beaten him yeah. so that when he shows back up on the Death Star, uh, I've been waiting for you. Since I felt you, I've been waiting for you. Now I'm, you know. See, I've got a good explanation based on his, his conversation with Palpatine. But, uh, you know, well, we can, based we can on his that. conversation with Palpatine. So they yeah. had to do some corrective. I just thought that would have that. <laughs> I, I realize we had to get to the big climactic battle. Sure. But do you feel like it cheapened the battle on Mustafar at all, having this other big fight that had never existed before this episode? Not at all. Not at all? Only because if you're going to keep telling stories and fill it in, then you're going to No, you know, okay, that's real-world so sensibilities I'm creeping it. in. Yeah. I understand that. No, I, I understand and, that. and I will say that I did not watch it and think about Mustafar, except for the fact that Obi-Wan was able to release the guilt that he had felt since Mustafar, right? He was able to realize, and I don't want to upstage the dialogue we're going to hear, but he was able to work through his entire, his whole character arc in this series was 10 years worth of, let me just hide, let me bury the lightsabers, let me bury my identity, let me survive and protect Luke, but deal with the fact that I created Darth Vader and I killed my friend Anakin. All right. This seems like a perfect segue. Anakin's gone. I'm what remains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. 
I did. The same way I will destroy you. Then my friend is truly dead. Goodbye, Darth. I'm dying here <laughs> for chills and the ultimate schizophrenic split personality psycho killer way. I thought, oh, it's Anakin. And they brought him and they they combined his voice with James Earl Jones. Oh, it truly is. Oh, my gosh. He's going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. It was so moving. I'm telling you, when he started talking to him, oh, Obi-Wan, uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, Obi-Wan gets to see his friend. There he is. No, he's not. That is not him. So the, 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 the reason I think this scene works so well is only other than Ahsoka, who also saw a little bit of his face. Yeah. Only Obi-Wan could see, of all the people that are left alive, only Obi-Wan could see that face and... Like, it has more meaning than any other person, any other person other than maybe Padme in the whole Star Wars saga sure. who could see his face and, and have it have more unspoken meaning in dialogue. Like, you can imagine what Obi-Wan's thinking. You can even kind of maybe imagine what Anakin's thinking of, like... uh Actually, I can't imagine what Anakin's thinking. That's, that's probably good. I think but Anakin the, the is so buried in that. That was such a. I, I never would have thought of having Brilliant. the voices switching the way they did. Brilliant. But I thought that was a freaking awesome Brilliant. effect. So, like I said, as much as I like the idea of having him buried and having that sure. be like, okay, so Obi Wan can really live in anonymity now because Vader believes he's dead. Whereas Vader would have known all along since Mustafar that Obi-Wan wasn't dead and he was somewhere. Yes. And at this point, he would be surprised if Obi-Wan was still around somehow. Well, what I liked about it. And not just in hiding. But the Emperor dialogue, and I didn't pull that clip, but, uh, you know, the Emperor dialogue of you're going to stop chasing this dude because it doesn't appear that you think very clearly on this matter. Right. Lord Vader. Well, and which explains why he's not hunting for him constantly anymore after that. The connection to Obi-Wan Kenobi was a connection with Anakin Skywalker, not Darth Vader. Anakin had a hang up. Anakin must have revenge because you did this to me, right? And so on that planet that I don't know what its its name is. Minas or something. Where, yeah, where they're fighting and and you see his face when he says to, and I understand when you get to the end of it that Luke was able to somehow pull Anakin out of Darth Vader, which seems even more impossible now, which I kind of like. Um, because at that moment, when he says to Obi-Wan, what we just heard, and he says, you didn't do this. He's not saying it to go, don't feel no, bad. No, 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 no. He was saying, He's saying he was owning oh, no. himself. Don't like, you dare. No, 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 no. You can't Take have this, this power over me. I am Darth yes. Vader. I'm not Anakin. I destroyed Anakin. He is dead. So don't you dare. Oh, I'm not your done. failure. I'm yeah. me. Yes. I'm my success. That was, yes. I am the success of the dark that side, which not is a the forgiveness true thing. meaning of the force. The dark side is power and power is everything. Right. So when he gets there with the emperor and the emperor kind of says to him, which was brilliant seeing Ian McDermott again. And he says, oh, my prince, I think, you, you know, and, and Vader goes. Yeah, Kenobi this and that. And I, I forget what he says, like, we need to chase him or whatever he says. He says, you're done with this. He won't this. get away again. When he says, you're done with this, Vader flips the ultimate switch and compartmentalizes fully and I think buries any inkling of Anakin Skywalker. Any bit of light, 
anything. We know it's not extinguished, but for all intents and purposes, it's extinguished. He right. is now Vader, and he goes almost like shaking it off, almost like these movies where you see like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He is fully now Vader the Sith Lord. No, There is no history. He has no background. He is Darth Vader. He just is, right? Right, which is Full also dark side. goes to your point of why Reva needs to go, too, because Reva knows who he is. No, nope, she's got to die. So that, she has to that, die. When you're, when you're talking narratively like that, it does seem like what she knows needs to be extinguished so that it can't be I just be love that, that Palpatine later. grabbed the reins yeah, and said- At this said, point, only Palpatine knows who he is. Yeah. And, and Obi-Wan. Well, as it should be. And Yoda. Well, and Palpatine grabbed the reins and said- uh, And Ahsoka. Hey, listen. Okay. Ahsoka. The list keeps getting longer the more I think about it. But they're all good guys. <laughs> but he says to him, hey, you, you're going to cut this out. This is pathetic. You're not this- you're a Sith Lord who listens to me and no one else. You're not driven by your passion. You're not driven by anything. You're driven by me. I'm the one yes, who tells you what master. to think, what to do. And full on, yes, my master. Okay. Love it. What is thy bidding, my master? Palpatine is the be all and end all. And you're, you are my peon. You're my machine. I control you. You're the emperor's machine fist. boy. Yeah. Honestly, like you'd better not do this again. The Grand Inquisitor in a way is more obedient and a lapdog to Palpatine. And that's why he's looking at Vader going, you're going to go after this other Jedi who has, he's a broken down, what? This pathetic Vader. And Vader says, he's all that matters. Well, that's because you're, you're clouded, right? Your judgment is clouded. Yeah, you got to be solely focused, singularly point. focused on dark side intentions, which is, uh, you know, galaxy uh, control. That's all it is. Power and control. Okay. So I have some questions I want to ask you. Rate the lightsaber combat on a series of a scale of one to ten from the series. In the not, whole not series, each, yeah, the series, the lightsaber combat in Obi Wan versus the lightsaber combat and all the other stuff. I don't know. There was, a, I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it was the TV budget. I cannot tell you what it is about. Did the lightsabers not feel quite? Maybe not quite movie as, enough. Well, maybe so. And I don't know what the movie is. It, but part in, of the problem, I think, is the dueling in the dark. The only well, look, time we had this was in Attack of the Clones, and if you've watched the making oh, of... Oh, we had it in uh, in in uh, Force Awakens, in the forest, at the end, with Kylo and Rey and uh, Finn. Yeah, I, I mean, that was full-on dark. The sequel trilogy. Yeah. But <laughs> I will kidding. say, in the sequel trilogy, <laughs> the, the lightsabers sounded a little bit different. I don't think they're better than this. I think the, the way this looked was great, and i got to go back and watch it a few more times. It's so brand new. I, I don't think it's... Lacking. Well, so I don't know what it is. Here's so, my, so I, I'll, give, I'll give it a. Um, I would probably give it an eight and a half out of ten. Okay. I was just going to say, maybe just straight up. Um, what's but the word? at the same time, maybe look, straight up in in a realistic manner. You most of the lightsaber duels, the the super powered ones, they were using metal rods. Yes, with the lightsaber hilts. Yes. There was the, the, the allegorical story of how many of those uh, David Prowse and, and Mark Hamill broke in Empire yeah. Strikes Back. Uh, same story of uh, of um, Ray Park and Ewan McGregor and then Hayden and, and Ewan in Re- Revenge of the Sith. And did you hear how they but, didn't use the same ones in this one? They used different 
types. Right. Well, that's, that they what, I was, like. that's what I was about to say was because they're fighting in the dark. Yeah. They have to use pre-lit glow rods. Right. That's what yes. they did. If you remember the scene in Attack of the Maybe Clones, that's it then. in Attack of the Clones, the only time when that you know Anakin cuts the lights out. Yeah. And then all you see is like twirling. Yes. You don't see any actual clashing that's until the lights come back on. Ah, interesting. And so I'm wondering because they decided to have the fight in the dark. Yeah. And it makes sense thematically and all that other stuff. Like, I'm okay with that. But you can't swing as hard with a lit light. You have one. You can't swing as hard with a lit lightsaber as you can with a pole that that then becomes rotoscoped later. And they had to have the light because casting the actual blue and red light as they did was was brilliant. Right. It works. So, yeah, I would say. But that's why I say I I almost wonder if they were constrained by the fact that in order to light the lightsabers properly, they had to use light poles instead of metal poles. Well, and uh, and both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen in an interview about this series said, oh, I missed the old ones. They said they missed the old ones that they had used in the prequels. So it was different material. Uh, I don't know. If and that, all their fights were in the dark. And again, I can't. The one on um, uh, the first planet and then this one. But I liked it. It was great. You know, right. I, so it I wouldn't great. say. I mean, Obi-Wan using the hilt of his lightsaber to smash okay, the panel on his chest. Nine, nine Friggin point awesome. five out of ten. Because honestly, the choreography A slash as well, down the back. Oh, jeez. It was so great. And when Obi-Wan did some great maneuvering and moves where in the prequels, We'd never seen them fight like this, so we're like, what's with this kind of ninja-style, unnecessary spinniness? In this one, it was great, and they utilized the spins and the flips and the moving the sabers in, in a way that I was, I, I bought in. I thought it was totally believable. So, yeah, it, it was great. Almost perfect. What, what's your fate? What's the best lightsaber duel from the whole entire saga? Of all the lightsaber fights you've watched, what's I mean, your best one? This is terrible to say, but maybe this one. But o- only because it's so brand new. Okay. A Mustafar is obviously the most technically incredible, fascinating choreograph. Well, it's fascinating. Speed. I remember it's fascinating. the first time I watched a clip, oh, yeah. I saw a clip on 60 Minutes oh, when they go, of the bop, scene, bop, 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 the bop, scene bop, where they're it's... fighting on the table and they're both yes. swinging their lightsabers incredible. around. I was like, incredible. what am I watching? My, my favorite one, obviously, would would be the, the carbon freeze chamber with Luke and Vader and that goes out onto the catwalk. That's it's so, it's so hard for me to say that. Because I love them that all. That was the first really good lightsaber. That's so good. Each one has their own special. I know place. it's almost like a character. Each one of them is a character because I love the Return of the Jedi one for for its implications. I love and Luke at his high level of dueling his father. When Luke takes the lightsaber on on, on the on the on the skiff outside Jabba's sail mm-hmm. barge, and he my favorite part of Return it around. Of the Jedi. Mine too. And he swings that sucker around two handed. Cut, oh, but then when he takes out the lightsaber and cuts off the nose of the, the speeder on Endor, I love all of it. I just love it. So I don't know. That's an impossible question. <laughs> I'm giving the worst Fair answer ever. Okay. I will say this one was up there. It's right up there. Best part of the final three episodes. Let me give you the choices. Hearing Leia's theme. The duel between Obi-Wan and Vader. Or Qui-Gon's appearance. The duel. Okay. The duel was great. I mean, I would have been disappointed not seeing Qui-Gon, but it was so quick. I would have been less shook if I didn't hear Leia's theme. But, I mean, the duel had to happen. Did it have to happen, though? Well, you knew it would because Kathleen Kennedy said the rematch of the century. I realize that, but that's what I'm saying. Did that have to happen? It had to, yes. Because she said it, yes. But did it have to happen? Would your life be complete if it didn't happen? I would be disappointed with the series if it didn't happen. Okay. It had to happen. Fair enough. All right. Let's talk about Qui-Gon's appearance. Yeah. What did you think of it? 
You knew it was coming. Oh, sure. And I didn't what want did it to be. What did you think of his hair? Was it too long? Listen, listen. He's older. A he's lot a older. Ghost. Why would his hair grow when he's a ghost? But he's old. He's a very old <laughs> guy. Okay? I just thought that well, was I an mean, easy thing. They could have just you, put his hair at the last length that it listen, was. But listen, look. Why is Luke... Yeah, that's true. Hayden As a Force ghost in Hayden Rise of Skywalker. turns young. Right. It's all, there's inconsistent canon on this. Hayden looks over at Alec Guinness. Why don't they replace Alec Guinness, Force ghost, now with, uh, with Obi-Wan? And they're saying, well, it's the age that Honestly, you were when you I were don't know. last. I don't know, I don't know why know. they don't. They, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem if they turned Alec Guinness' ghost. Luke and Leia are old people Force ghosts. You know? It wasn't like yeah. a... It wasn't like a short-haired Luke shortly after Return of the Jedi that appears to Rey. But it could have been. It could have been. Absolutely could have been. Yeah. When he walks out and grabs the lightsaber from the from the fire on Octu and and talks to her about it. I mean, he's Luke. He has longer hair there than when he was trying to teach Rey. You know? So, I don't know. That didn't bother me one bit. Okay. And I saw I noticed him, it. That's all. <laughs> and he says, oh, it took you long enough, you know. And it's, uh, it's, <laughs> let's, get, let's grab a pint. And let's go, you know. <laughs> I thought it was perfect because I didn't want it to be too short. It couldn't have been longer. What is he going to do? Teach him fighting techniques or something? No, no, no it was no, great. No, no. It was great. It was perfect. I was yeah. here all along, Obi Wan. Yeah, you I just liked couldn't it. see me. I liked it. That's what I liked about it. I yeah, am it was known good. on other worlds as Aslan. In other places. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was great. It was great. Okay, I really enjoyed it. Do you like? that they ended on that scene, would it have been a stronger ending if they had picked one of the other scenes to end with? Uh, no, I liked it. I liked ending with uh, Qui-Gon. Because I knew it was coming now. I, I, knew, I knew they had to do it because the very beginning, the very first episode. Oh, I just figured it was going to happen no matter Qui-Gon, what. Qui-Gon. They had to end it that way. Look, just like they ended, they came back around in so many if ways. If you choose to face Vader, you will do it alone. I cannot interfere. I'm trying to do it with my Irish Liam Neeson I accent. I cannot interfere. I cannot interfere. Um, it just, I'll it, be at the pub. <laughs> it was, it, they brought everything back around because we had seen Luke, we had seen the Lars Homestead, and we ended at the Lars Homestead on Tatooine. I mean, they, they had a nice cyclical thing with this episode, with, with the series, I mean. So, yeah, ending with Qui-Gon, was, I thought it was perfect. It was great. Okay. I, I would have, I, I've gone back and forth on this because I, I would have liked... For it to end, I don't know. I, I just felt like it. It it seemed weirdly final. I'm okay with that, especially if they don't do another. Se- if they don't do another right. season, one. If I they don't do think another they... season, I'm like, eh, then what's with that ending? You know, and, and Qui Gon was like really season. flippant, I and I don't know. I just I, I knew it was going to happen. I would have been okay with however they did. I don't I don't have a criticism. I mean, again, this is one of those things where well, I wanted it if with my uh, Qui Gon ghost, I would have had him sure. say to. I, I'm not yeah. saying that. I but I just thought emotionally that didn't have the same for me. It didn't have the same resolution as maybe ending with the scene where he says goodbye to Leia, or um, you know, if he'd ended. Saying hello there to Luke. I or almost something see like it that. as almost a post-credit like, scene in a way. So, yeah. so you could count it. Actually, I mean, that might have been kind of fun. So Our it, first Star Wars post-credit. Well, scene. I mean, if you just kind of chalk it up to that and say, "Well, there's the ending with Leia says hello there to Luke." Okay, off he goes, and then the credits, and, and then up. Uh, you know what? Qui Gon. Another up. thing that Dan, <laughs> my friend Dan, <laughs> we had a long discussion about this earlier this week before the episode came out, and he was like, "But what we really need resolved is." Does Luke get the little model toy back? <laughs> because we know he has it in A New Hope. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That was just to prove that that's where he got the toy originally or whatever. 
But sure enough, in the pack, that's over the little We didn't see him top. hand it, right? Or did we? No, we saw it. it was sticking up out of the backpack. Got it, okay. And he, he texted me, it's 51 minutes, and yes, we do get resolution there on the is, ship. There it is, the ship. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a model of Luke's ship that he, uh, right. his Skyhopper. Now, I, I thought, again, I thought they made Luke look good. I was, I was just fine with the limited... Luke activity right, and having this right. be about Leia. Yes, I thought that was um, a fun surprise. It was just so pleasant because I never expected it. I never thought about Leia Organa and all the scene where he tells Leia about her heritage. I mm. thought was really oh. well. Is that when the theme came on? Yes. Because yes. maybe it was all of that yes. together that got me. That got me. So that good. got me. Yeah. What I wish, and I've seen others express this. It's not an original idea. I wish he would have said. Here's a hologram of your mother or something. Show her. Because she says to Luke, I don't know. I have just these flashes and these images where I picture her, you know. Like they could have added a little bit more into this is how I know who my mother was, right? Because maybe Obi-Wan shares something with her. Yeah, it would have been nice if he'd have said, you know, she died right after you were born. I don't know. Yeah. So that she could say she died when I was very young. Right. Uh, But just explaining like the strengths that she got from both parents that I really honestly the part where she added you're fearless and you're headstrong and you're compassionate or yeah. did she say compassionate something like that yeah because I but she's like you got those from your father and I was like I mean, he that did she say that Obi-Wan Kenobi because he told oh, Leia did I say things. she yeah, okay she was telling her that that wait wait who oh Obi-Wan I thought okay <laughs> well I didn't think she I was yeah. thinking he uh but at any rate I thought that was a really nice touch. And that's what I say. Emotionally, that would have been a really satisfying thing to just say, if we're not going to do another series with with uh, you and or Hayden. Well, and that's, um, that's because Obi-Wan, the reason he could share that in good conscience and feel okay about it is because Anakin was dead. And he knew Anakin was dead. Think about that. He told Luke, you got to go kill Vader. You have to. And Luke, I'm not going to kill my own father. Oh, well, then it's then over. the Emperor's already won. But what's so great about that is because people who think that anything cheapens what Luke Skywalker did. It doesn't. This built on upon uh, upon what Luke Skywalker did. Luke was the only one. Okay, again, this is not an original idea either. There's a meme out there now shows Ahsoka chopped off the the right side of his mask. Obi Wan chopped off the left side of his mask. Luke Ooh. is the only one who could completely demask Vader and allow Anakin to go free. And that's okay. what happened. Pro- props to whoever thought of that. Yeah, that's I saw cool. it on Twitter. I, I, never, I never thought of that. But it's that's true. Great... And that makes Luke Skywalker's quest to save his father the impossible task that now we see was truly impossible. Impossible. Vader killed Anakin. Anakin is dead. The Emperor well, Vader told wiped him that. out. Yeah. On the, the forest moon. And the Emperor wiped out every last. No wonder the Emperor was so confident that Luke, puny little. Come on, Luke. What's Luke going to do? Right. I'm the emperor. He's Vader. There's no chance. Um, maybe the emperor thought Luke would turn if he could use his fully get him to kill because he'd seen it before. Anakin stepped yep. in, killed or allows, you know, Mace Windu to die and then kills younglings. Oh, I can influence these young people. I'm going to influence Luke and then I'll replace Vader because I'll have a full blown, full fleshed out Sith apprentice. So here's a question then, since we're we're going down this path of, you know, Luke, the whole saga, Luke, yeah. Anakin, Obi Wan might have, with especially with this series, the most—I don't know—loaded emotional arc of any character in the whole saga. Maybe even more than Anakin in some ways, because 
Obi-Wan accepts uh, Anakin. Now, it's made more of a deal, I think, in the books and in some of the behind-the-scenes stuff than it is in dialogue from the movies and the TV shows. But uh, it becomes clear that Anakin or that Obi-Wan kind of resented that he had to train Anakin, who never listened to him. Like, he did it because he was fulfilling his master's dying wish. Yeah, he had no and choice. there were times like no where he really was just as frustrated as anything else. And there was times where he agreed with the council that maybe we shouldn't have trained him in the first place. Right. But then he also had all the moments that made him like we were brothers. Like, so, yeah. So he gets over that at some point. <sighs> this is starting to dredge up my feelings of frustration from revenge of the Sith, where I felt like the movie didn't, the movie was too abrupt in turning them from best pals into enemies. I would have loved to have seen a more subtle, which I felt like Matthew Stover did a better job in the novel because he could. He had the space or and the, the ability Clone to, Wars, to mean, read the, the thoughts and everything. But just yeah. they I mean, when they part for Obi-Wan to go to Utapau, they're like best buds. And the next time they see each other, they hate each other like. I, I get I get Obi-Wan having seen what Anakin d- did like. Knowing I got to stop this, but Anakin hating Obi Wan—it just seems like a stretch based on what they had been through just like hours before. I mean, sure. he saves his life with Dooku, and then he makes sure they all survive the landing, and and then well, well I guess it's more we, than a few days. But then you know, even when Obi Wan's like, "Hey, the Council wants you to like." Yeah. Spy. I could see him hating all the Jedi but Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Because they were too good of friends right then in that moment. Well, so what... It would have been better if there was some dissonance. I feel... I've always felt this way. If there was some dissonance, or if at least there had been enough happened that now Anakin... Like, maybe even if there was some implications that Anakin thought maybe Obi-Wan had a thing for Padme. Yeah. Which you could kind of infer from when he shows up on that Padme ship and she's like, oh, I didn't know he was there. I'm sorry. But I just, I, I hear you. And this I feel is like Obi Wan has a better arc because yeah. you can look at it. He, he 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 resented it. Then he grew to love him. Then he had to do the hard thing of like, I, you know, let me go after the Emperor because I can't kill Anakin. And then he gets there, and Anakin just says, "If you're not with me, you're against me." And Alba's like, "All right, let's do this." <laughs> You've got to assume that there's there are other things that happened. But then that he doesn't him the kill him. Side. He could have. He yeah. doesn't. He survives. They fight again. He could kill him again. Right. And he doesn't. Yeah. And then he's telling Luke to kill him. So assuming all of that as as Ken, instead of just being like, well, it's only because of this plot hole or this writer screwed that up. Okay, fine. But here's what we've got. This is canon now. So this is where it becomes fun to start imagining. I don't think there's an arc for Luke or even Vader since we know how Vader can't be redeemed by anybody but Luke which meant that there was a spark of good in him all the time, which means that, A, Obi-Wan wasn't wrong who thought that there was still some good in him, but then was convinced, at least at that moment, there wasn't. Yeah. Um, well, and George Lucas had said, this is a story not about the Empire or the Rebellion or politics or whatever. It's a story about father and son. That's right. it. And, it's a family and it, story and about redemption. it didn't redemption. become father and son until Empire Strikes Back because True. that's when it was written, and that's okay because it's a great. It was... It was well, a, it turned it was it one into of the what great it is, cinematic jaw droppers. Yeah, yeah, space opera. And, and I thought they worked it out well. They figured out, okay, Luke and Leia kissed, whatever. Now they're brother and sister. That works. Luke, 
Use the force and do not kiss your sister on the mouth. <laughs> Luke, it's yes, too bad that I Leia, was busy. Search your feelings. Your sister is Leia. Yeah. Don't you notice that you look? And then Leia's like, I've always known. <laughs> because when I kiss you, what do you mean? You've it's like known I'm Leia? kissing my brother. my brother. Oh, no, that would be funny. Oh, boy, the clashing of pop culture. Uh, by the way, Back to the Future getting the musical on Broadway next year. I don't love know. that. I don't know. Any rate, I love Back to the Future. So. I, I just I really like how this has enriched even more the story of Obi Wan. Um, I've always said if we had seen the prequel trilogy and then had to wait um, thirteen years for sixteen years for the original trilogy after the prequel trilogy had come out, Obi Wan's death in A New Hope would have been far more traumatic. For sure. Than it was. It was traumatic to me as a kid because he was he was nice. Grandpa. He was grandpa and grandpa got killed by the He's bad the guy. Mentor, yeah. And, mentor has to die. And that worked. And I didn't like that part. And in my mind, I actually imagined Obi-Wan's robes floating. Every time Vader steps on it, in my brain as a kid, I was like, it's because they were floating, right? And he was stepping on it to see, like, it is it a ghost? <laughs> um, but we have uh, Obi-Wan that would have been a tra- as traumatic a death as Han Solo's was for me. When it happened in the in the Force Awakens, it, because we would have been that attached to Obi Wan. Obi Wan was the hero of the original trilogy. Really, he was. He, him and Yoda survived. Obi Wan was good the whole time. Anakin was, you know, all over the map. And then when he goes to face Vader, and you're like, oh boy. And then Vader gets him. Then like it, it, it's an it's an even more emotional moment that if we'd had thirty years of build up knowing what we knew about Obi-Wan would have been way more traumatic than than even as it was. Do you know when when people talk about what they want to see and now that we've seen so much Vader that we we've never seen before. Yeah. Fully powerful and doing things we've never seen him do. I'm okay if you if you selectively bring him back in the future. I, I don't want to see a ton right. of Vader though. I, I think Vader only because it, you could cheapen it. Right. right? He, he would be a good boogeyman for sure. In in Andor He's going to be a good boogeyman, right? Will. Because right. that's Andor. It's the it's the rise of the empire. But but actually, but we don't need engagement don't with need, Vader unless it's a, a character at Vader his level. And there isn't any other character at his level. Correct. I am so interested in Rogue One style Krennic Imperials, the ISB. Oh the, yeah, it's so and, interesting. And this was the question that I asked you yesterday that I wanted to ask you today. Yeah. Do you believe or do you agree with me that the period between Revenge of the Sith? And honestly, I'll even go as far as Empire Strikes Back is the most interesting period of storytelling for Star Wars. Sure. I feel like it's the most cross-generational well, Empire appeal. only exists for 20 years, 25 that. years. That's it. But so you got the course. first order. I mean, you've got sequel yeah, series. You yeah, got, yeah. You've got, the, you've got the years that the Mandalorian's exploring, which is the post-Empire, early New Republic. But... I think the most interesting stories to me come in that period from the end of Revenge of the Sith to maybe the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. You've got the Empire at full strength. So there's an obvious bad guy and you've got the the heroic rebels and you can you can lay pieces for the the main characters if you want to in something like Obi-Wan. Or you can just find some other people who do stuff. I mean, the Revolutionary War was not fought only by George Washington, Alexander Hamilton and, you know, some of the other people. It was fought by a whole bunch of people you never heard of. Keeping it in real world wars, speaking of a world war, what is the most interesting thing that still pumps out 
movies and books of real people who you've never heard of before. And it's the time when Hitler rose to power and was taken down by the Allies. Because it's like one of the find, few things that the whole entire world agrees that was the worst the person at bad the time. Guy, sure. But what do you find? You find so many people you never heard of. This person housed those families. These people fought back in rebellion. These people wrote pamphlets and secretly distributed them. You're so interested in these people who were selfless and courageous and, and sacrificed their lives to fight the power, right? I mean, like movies like, I don't know, I love movies like Swing Kids, you know, which is, oh, it's about swing music, but fighting Nazis. I mean, I like uh, Jojo Rabbit to go on the other end of the spectrum, right? who's the Jojo Rabbit of the Star Wars universe? Which character is the Sam Rockwells? I mean, look, that period of pure imperial control is so fascinating because it's the most oppressive and it's the most dangerous it's the scariest. It's the riskiest for the, riskiest, the characters that you're for sure. You, you get to the for new sure. republic. You get to the new republic era, and and really, I think the new republic era is probably the closest to what our day is today that we kind of live in. It's you know we're not fighting with each other generally, so we kind of fight amongst Who ourselves. Is the enemy? We don't have a common enemy, right? Um, you know, Rocky Four works because it was Russia. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, there, there's War. a reason that some of these things work because it's like, you know. When we band together against somebody, well, and usually that's why we don't just generally band together for banding together's sake. Well, something like Rogue One works because you have Saw Gerrera, who's on the outs with the actual rebellion. Because right? he's too extreme. Because, so that the factions within the resistance, and yep. not the resistance with a capital R in the sequels, but the rebellion that's not quite against, ready to actually take the fight and come out in open warfare absolutely against Absolutely right. No, I love that. I, I totally agree. So you can mine... And harvest various stories from that era and keep or going evaporate. with it. Yeah, or evaporate them, yes. <laughs> we talked about, you know, maybe the Knights of the Old Republic era. I'm all about that in the sense of kind of a Lord of the Rings style origins of the Force. They mention on on Rebels one time, this big creature says to Ezra, the Ashla and Bogan of the Force. And I had to Google that oh, on yeah. Wikipedia and go, what the heck is that? I'm interested in a lot of those origin stories as long as you keep feeding us well, a steady but again, diet. that's an origin the- story that now is being written by somebody else. Sure. Not Lucas. Keep keep the uh, the meat and potatoes if, coming. If you're going to write Origins the of the Force, then I need to see George Lucas as a consultant or a co-writer. Well, you, you can you can take stuff Otherwise, from his original fiction. Well, and take it from his original yeah, screenplays. True. They have a lot. The Journal of the Wills. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the Guardians of the Wills. The Jedi Bendu. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot to, to deal with, and I, I love it. I think they're doing such a good job. They've mixed it in nicely with The Mandalorian. They mixed it into Boba Fett. And, and I'll, I'll just say that Obi-Wan Kenobi, despite the slight, <laughs> tiny issues that I did have with some of the execution and with some of the dialogue, I suppose, and some of the characters, man, by and large, loved it. And I'd probably give it close to a 9 out of 10. Close to a 9 out of 10. <laughs> yep. That's it. All right. That's it for me. That's all, folks. <laughs> well, Dan, I, I feel like I'm playing the wrong music because this is the beginning of the movie, but we're at the hey, end of the episode. Every, every new beginning. Wait, wait. What does Semi-Sonic say? Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end yeah, in closing time. So closing time is really opening time. We're, what Let's are we going to get next, one. right? Let's okay, here we one. go. I'm okay. waiting. 
Oh, no, maybe the, we won't try the this. suspense. <laughs> the suspense. Uh, look, oh, it's heck with it. Let's go back to this one. <laughs> look, it's the end. It's the beginning. It's all the same. It's it's the saga, and we love it. And we've got Andor coming up. We've got Bad Batch coming up. And we've got Mandalorian season three coming up. What's the next one to drop, though? Is it Bad Batch? I know we have Andor coming in August mm, or those, September. Both of them are coming close to each other. Okay, I, I I'm going to love it. I think it's Andor first and then right. Bad Batch a month later. Well, and that's only a couple of months away, Andor. And I, I am so excited, probably more so than Obi-Wan Kenobi, than I was for Obi-Wan. Because, again, I know what to expect. If it's Rogue One era, if it's shot on locations, which it is, I, I, I'm so excited. Mon Mothma and that whole era. Stormtroopers. What we just said, the whole era. Yep. We're going we're gonna to get some more stories from the, uh, from the seeds of rebellion. I'm excited. Dan, is this the best time to be a Star Wars fan in history? It is. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely right. Strong words from the Star Wars fandom here yep. at KSL. Yep. Well, Dan, thanks for being with us on this episode of Fan Effect. We've got thank we've you. Talked, we've now talked as much about Kenobi as almost the length of the series itself. Well, we could keep going too. I We're know. just cutting this we short. We have to cut it short because we. I got I got to go do a newscast. <laughs> oh, but good times. And Dan, we'll talk again. I'm sure, as we uh, always do, whenever we have Star Wars stuff. Maybe the next trailer drop uh, when we get a little bit more information about Andor or. You know, we've got D23 and we've got um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con oh boy. coming yeah. in uh, August. So we may oh. get uh, some more Star Wars news before then. Um, will we get more legacy characters? At some point, honestly, we're going to have to break away from the legacy characters just because the actors who play them won't be around anymore. And yep. then it'll get a little bit more difficult to, to hey. justify and to live with. But It's good stuff. Hey, I love it. Obi-Wan Kenobi. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we do. If you didn't, that's okay, too. I think there's room for all of us. All we ask is that everybody be kind to each other and respect each other's opinions because guess what? If you loved it or you hated it, you can both be right. Hey, we're all fans. May the force be with you all. Thanks, Dan. We'll catch you you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Fan Effect, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters. Do you have an idea for a podcast, or is there something, especially if you're in the state of Utah, fandom-related, that you want to share with us and let other people know about? Reach out to us uh, through our Twitter account or our Facebook page, uh, or uh, even if you want to comment on one of our photos on Instagram, at Fan Effect Show, E-F-F-E-C-T. Uh, We'd love to uh, hear your ideas. We'd love to have you in the conversation. And we hope you have as much fun listening to this as we have making it. Uh, We'll catch you on the next one. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.